Welcome back to Rick's Rambles. It's the week of August 23rd, 2021. Let's get right into the fun facts of the week. I know a lot of my listeners are in my rough age range, and we grew up with a TV show called Tarzan, starring Ron Ely. How many of y'all remember that show? Well, I had not thought of Tarzan in many years, and this weekend, for some odd reason, he just popped into my mind, so I started doing a little reading and research. So today's fun facts are all about Tarzan. First up, Edgar Rice Burroughs' first Tarzan story, which was called Tarzan of the Apes, was published in the October 1912 edition of the All-Story Pulp Fiction magazine. He began writing the tale on December 1st, 1911, 110 years ago. Contrary to popular belief, Tarzan was not raised by the apes or gorillas, but by a fictional made-up simian tribe known as a Mangani which means great ape in their own elaborate language. Burroughs invented that language, and it's widely considered the first artificial language developed for books and later TV and movies. Another one of those languages? Well, of course, Klingon. Up next, Batman is often considered the first superhero that didn't have actual superpowers. But the truth is that Bob Kane's Cape Crusader was at least partially inspired by Tarzan. Both Bruce Wayne and John Clayton, which was Tarzan's real name, were orphaned as children. Both inherited fortunes, and both would go on to fight injustice and evil using just their wits and physical prowess. The big difference is that Tarzan doesn't have all the fancy gadgets and gizmos that Batman does. As Jane states in an upcoming film, no man has ever started with less. Well, speaking of Jane... The love of Tarzan's life, Jane has been portrayed in the movies as both American and British. We all know that the best-known Jane was portrayed by Maureen O'Sullivan in the Johnny Weissmuller films from the 1930s and 1940s, where she was an English woman named Jane Parker. The real Jane, from the books, is an American woman, and her name is Jane Porter, and she's from Baltimore. Up next, Tarzan's father, the British Lord Greystoke, is killed by the Bangani leader Kerchak. But when Tarzan, nurtured and raised by the she-ape Kala, becomes a young adult, he avenges his father by killing the malevolent Kerchak and taking on his role as the leader of the tribe. Up next, the first Tarzan movie was a silent film, did you know that? And it was released over 100 years ago. Tarzan of the Apes hit theaters in 1918 and starred the very stout Elmo Lincoln as the Ape Man and the doe-eyed Enid Markey as Jane. The movie was a huge hit, but Edgar Rice Burroughs was not thrilled with the casting of Tarzan. You see, Lincoln was a wrestler, a very stout, large man, not the thin, athletic type that Tarzan was portrayed in the books. The Edgar Rice Burroughs Tarzan Pulp Stories have been republished into 24 novels in multiple languages. Most of the tales are set in Africa, but get this, Edgar Rice Burroughs never set foot in Africa. I found this one especially fascinating. Jane Porter is one of the first female characters in popular culture to be written as a strong, independently-minded woman, even though the ape man sometimes arrives just in a nick of time. But it's said that she laid the groundwork for other characters of that time. 
the fictional character of Tarzan is one of the best known and most popular characters the world over. His pulp magazine heroics have inspired countless other adventure heroes and have greatly influenced the serial storytelling and serial movies throughout history. And lastly, while some believe that Burroughs' Ape Man was inspired by Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book, the late author always maintained that Tarzan of the Apes was his original tale and that if he was subliminally influenced by anything, it was most likely the, Rome, the Roman myth of Romulus and Remus. There you have it. Fun facts about Tarzan the Ape Man. This week's feel-good story is a little bit different than the ones that I usually do, but I was reading a study just a few days ago about how we are at an all-time high of depression diagnoses in the United States, and we are also at an all-time high of prescription medications being prescribed to help people deal with depression. And I stumbled upon this article about how moderate, fun, physical activity helps people combat depression. And I want to share it with you today. Physical activity, not only does it reduce depressive symptoms, it actually fosters the brain's ability to change and to adapt. This dual benefit effect of physical activity was reported by researchers at Rural Bochum University in Germany following a study. The results show how important seemingly simple things like physical activity are in treating and preventing illnesses such as depression, says study leader associate professor Dr. Karen Rosencrantz. People with depression often withdraw and are physically inactive. To investigate the effect of physical activity, Karen Rosencrantz's working group enlisted people for the study, all of whom were undergoing inpatient treatment at the hospital. The participants were each assigned into one of two groups, one of which completed a three-week exercise program. Well, this program was quite unique. It was developed by a sports science team at the University of Bealfield, and it was varied. It contained elements of fun and of play and did not take the form of a competition or a test but instead required teamwork from the participants and required that they interact with each other. This specifically promoted motivation and social togetherness while breaking down a fear of challenges and negative experiences with physical activity like we often have in school physical education classes. The other group took part in a control program that did not stress physical activity. The study team ascertained the severity of the depressive symptoms, such as loss of drive and interest, lack of motivation, and negative self-worth feelings, both before and after the program. The brain's ability to change, which is known as neuroplasticity, was also measured. It can be determined externally with the help of a transcranial magnetic stimulation. The ability to change is important for all of the brain's learning and adaptation processes, explains Rosencrantz. Well, after the program, the ability to change increased and the depressive symptoms decreased. The brain's ability to change is lower in people with depression than in healthy people. After the program of physical activity was completed, this ability to change increased significantly and achieved the same values as completely healthy people without any depression. 
At the same time, the depressive symptoms decreased or, in some cases, completely went away. The more the ability to change increased, the more clearly the clinical symptoms decreased, according to Rosencrantz. And these changes were not so pronounced in the group who took part in no physical activity, but rather took part in prescribed medications. Though physical activity had the effect on symptoms and the brain's ability to change, the doctors will not say yet to what extent these changes are linked, but it appears to be significant. It is known that physical activity does the brain good, as it, for instance, promotes the formation of neuron connections. This could also certainly play a major role here. The important thing about this study is that this exercise program involved elements of play, something that we have often forgot to do as we age, and then it goes further into the recesses of our brain as we become depressed. So in just a few minutes after this short break, we're going to talk a little bit about ways we can play. I'm sure glad you're taking time out of your day to listen to the Rick's Rambles podcast, especially on weeks when we talk about heavier subjects like depression. Thank you so much for sticking with me. I'll admit it's been a little bit of a struggle getting this podcast off the ground, and it is because of folks like you that I keep going. If you would like to support the podcast, there are two ways you can do that. First of all, please share it on your social media. That would be much, much appreciated. And secondly, if you'd like to buy me a cup of coffee, well, that would be awesome. And you, that link is buymeacoffee.com slash Rick Garrett, and I will put that down in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Well, we've looked at how physical activity can mitigate the effects of depression and how it actually can take depression away. And I will be perfectly honest, that is a challenging thing for me. Exercise is a word that I hate. I don't like that word at all. But I love to play. I really, really do. And that's the key, I think, for many of us is to find a way to play that gets us physically active and keeps us healthy in mind, soul, and spirit. So I've put together a list of five things, five ways we can play, and it will help us all. Number one, think back to when you were a kid in recess in elementary school. What kind of games did you enjoy playing? Was it jump rope? Was it hopscotch? Was it playing tag? Was it climbing on the monkey bars? Well, what's stopping us from doing that as adults? Go grab a bunch of friends and go to the park and play tag. Or jump some rope. Put hopscotch on your driveway or in the street in front of your house and play hopscotch. People may give you weird looks, but you know what? <laughs> the world needs a little bit of weirdness, I think. So play some kids' games. Number two. Ride your bike, and this is something that I really, really love. And there's a misconception in the world today that cyclists ride multi-thousand-dollar bikes and dress the same way, and sometimes that's true. But you know what? That doesn't have to be the case. Go buy a, a cruiser bike. Go buy, buy a hybrid bike. Throw on some shorts and a T-shirt and just go ride. Don't have a destination in mind. That's what I enjoyed doing when I was a kid. I often was not riding somewhere, kind of because we lived out the middle of nowhere, not close to anything, but I would just hop on my bike and ride, and I really, really enjoy doing that to this day. Hop on a bike, take in the sights and the sounds and the smells, and enjoy the day. Number three. 
Go to a park or someplace else and take a photo walk. Take your camera. Take your phone. And take pictures of things that interest you. Do you like birds? Go to a park and do some bird watching and take some pictures. Maybe old neon signs is your thing. Go to a historic part of town and take some pictures of the old signs. Maybe you like cemeteries like I do, which some people seem kind of weird. But like I said, the world needs a little bit of weirdness. Grab your camera or your phone and go take some pictures of interesting headstones. And take it a step further. Post it on social media. You might inspire some other folks to do that. And you probably will learn something in the process. And number four, Pokemon Go. Have you heard about this? It's a virtual game where you use your phone to go out and capture little virtual creatures. Now, we think of this much as a kid's game, but I have a number of friends in my age range that play religiously, and they all say they're losing weight, they're in better shape because they're walking around playing Pokemon Go. And number five, one of my favorites is geocaching. Do you know what geocaching is? Well, it is a virtual scavenger hunt all around the world. There are little treasures hidden called geocaches, and you can put an app on your phone and go find them. And I would just bet there is one within walking distance of your house. Check out geocaching.com. There you go. Five ways we can play even today. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Rick's Rambles. I hope you've enjoyed the show as much as I've enjoyed doing it. Please take a moment and share it on your social media. Let folks know what you're listening to. And until next week, be kind to as many people as you can, as often as you can. We'll start right now, and we'll make the world a better place.